With a focus on physical, mental, and social health, the UCS Wellness Podcast is dedicated to sharing informative conversations with the UCS community and beyond. Hi, and welcome to the UCS Wellness Podcast. My name is Kim Taworski, and I'm a counselor at Shelby Junior High. And today I have with me Danielle Watson from Turning Point. Thank you for joining us, Danielle. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So can you talk about Turning Point and what you do in the community? Yeah, of course. Um, So Turning Point is a nonprofit based in Macomb County with the mission to provide programs and resources that enable survivors of both domestic violence and sexual assault to regain control of their lives. So we do this by providing a number of different programs for survivors um, and their loved ones completely free of charge. So just a few of those programs are first and our most commonly used is the 24-hour hotline. Um, This hotline is answered by trained staff 24 hours a day, seven days a week, holidays. Um, Those workers do not take a day off. And not only does this hotline provide access and information regarding all of the other programs at Turning Point, but the staff that answers is trained also to provide support, crisis intervention, safety planning, and resources to callers. So callers range from survivors themselves, their loved ones, or even professionals who are seeking support for maybe somebody that they're working with. This hotline can be reached at 586-463-6990. We also have an emergency shelter that provides temporary housing for survivors and their children. And then in addition to that, we were recently able to provide new programs for survivors, including our rapid rehousing and transitional housing programs. And these provide safe and affordable housing and support to survivors. Additionally, our trauma advocacy services provide survivors and their loved ones with individual or group sessions. These are focused on um, like crisis intervention, healing, resources, or problem solving. And these services are available to survivors of all ages. So this is a service that's accessible to teens. And then we have forensic nurse examiners and first response advocates who provide comprehensive medical exams and emotional support to, again, adults and children who have experienced sexual assault. Um, And this program is available 24-7, again, through a hotline. So if an assault occurs in the middle of the night, the team's able to respond at that time. We assist the community with personal protection order forms, motions, and e-filing and have legal advocates on staff to support survivors through the legal process. Um, And then the team that I'm on provides community-based programs, such as community education and prevention. So we go into community spaces, including middle and high schools in Macomb County, And we educate on topics including consent, healthy relationships. We educate regarding dating violence and sexual assault. And throughout this experience, it's given myself and the team insight into these issues and how they affect the teens specifically. And it's given us the opportunity to talk with teens themselves and get their thoughts and questions regarding these issues, which helps us create presentations that are more effectively going to get them the information that they're looking for, um, rather than us trying to make up and decide what's going to be best for them to learn. So we've heard a lot um, from teens in our community regarding subjects like dating violence um, and like healthy relationships. And then, of course, more information about all of our programs and how to access them is available on our website at turningpointmacomb.org. 
That's awesome. I know that uh, for years we've had Turning Point come into the schools in Utica to talk with the kids about these topics. And that's what we want to get into today is um, what's going on, what's out there, what parents can be aware of, what kids can be aware of, because this is a serious subject. And with so many kids dating now, it's things that they need to be aware of. So I know we talked a little bit about some statistics of what's actually going on right now. Can you share some of those with us? Um, Yeah. So Teen dating violence is defined by the National Institute of Justice. Just like adult dating violence or intimate partner violence, we're talking about one partner using a pattern of abusive behaviors to gain power and control over that other partner. But it's focused on that age group of 12 to 18. So as we're discussing this issue, we're just officially kind of specifying the certain age group just because we find that this behavior is very common among adolescents. Like you said, they're starting to date. And these are things that we're seeing in this age group. But in addition to that, the um, adults tend to overlook this issue. So we found in 2019, which was around the last year that any um, type of normal research was able to be done on this subject, you know, it showed that one in eight high school students have experienced dating violence in their relationships that could range from physical to emotional abuse or even financial. Um, But that 80 percent of parents admitted that they didn't think or they didn't know that teen dating violence was a prominent issue. That's a lot. That's more than I think I would think. So we all know what we think of a domestic abuse um, from adults, but what does that look like in a teen relationship? Yeah. So again, the reason we focus on this specific age group is because we do see a lot of similarities between these power and control tactics used in adult relationships, you know, as in teen dating violence. Um, But we also see a number of newer, different ways that teens use different things to gain this power and control over each other. Um, So, for example, something we've noticed going into schools, dating looks very different now than, let's say, a decade ago with the increase in the use of technology and having this constant access to each other. Um, So we've been seeing a lot of different behaviors being normalized among teens. Um, For example, we see, you know, extreme jealousy as a way of showing that they care or um, possessiveness that sometimes maybe as an adult from the outside, we think, you know, that doesn't seem like you guys are giving each other much, much space. But as teens, they think this is how that person shows they care by telling me I can't have friends of the opposite gender, that I have to post pictures of us on social media or prove our relationship. So from a parent's perspective, if I'm concerned about um, a relationship my child is in, what are some things that I would be looking for? Yeah, so we see a lot of long and short-term effects on survivors of teen dating violence. But some things that you might notice, and again, this isn't an all-inclusive list, and just because we notice these things, you know, that could be a number of things going on in that teen's life. Um, But some things we start to notice is you might see a change in behavior, especially a loss of interest in hobbies that maybe once interested them or that they were really into. We can look for things like isolation from friends or isolating from friend groups, maybe not spending time with anybody but their partner or only spending time in groups um, if their partner is included. You may even see a change in the way that they dress or um, their mood. We also see a high number of teens who are experiencing teen dating violence experience depression or anxiety, and they have higher rates of maybe low self-esteem or poor image which are already things that teens are combating at this age. And then something else you might notice in a teen is this trouble focusing. And this can be a really hard one to pick out, especially with everything that's already going on in a teen's life. Um, they have a, you know, an ever-changing environment because of the ongoing pandemic. You know, they're into a lot, classes, clubs, friends, they're planning for their future. But you may start to notice a drop in grades or missing assignments 
or maybe even teachers are noticing this inattention in class. I know even adults that when they have a bad night with their partner or them and their partner have a disagreement, you know, they have that lack of focus at work the next day or it can be it can be a rough day the next day. So when teens are consistently feeling this pressure from their partner, it may be very hard for them to focus in school or during other activities. So you mentioned social media and about posting pictures, making sure you post pictures with your um, dating partner. Are there any other ways that social media can play a part in dating violence? Um, Yeah. So something that we've seen a lot is this, and this is new to me. uh, Teens are the one who, you know, filled me in on this when we go into the community was the sharing of location, for example, Um, and all of these different just aspects or characteristics of relationships that teens tend to force on each other or they don't give each other room to say no to these requests. And a lot of teens may think that's normal. But as adults, it's important to remember that we reiterate, right, that you have to have room to say no in your relationships. And maybe you do like sharing your location with your partner. But is this something that feels forced? Is this something that you feel uncomfortable with? Did that person give you the opportunity to say, no, I don't want to share my location with you? What's their intention behind needing to know where you are at all times? Um, So that's something that we've noticed that's, you know, big in teens that always sparks a a pretty good discussion in classes when I bring up location services in class. Yeah. And that's something that we adults don't always think about. So if we're a parent, if I'm a parent and my daughter or son is thinking about getting into a relationship, what are some conversations that I maybe should have before it happens that could avoid some of these things? Yeah. So we really recommend, like you said, taking a proactive standpoint to this, um, doing something before your kids are in relationships, before our teens are in relationships. You know, I remember I used to see in those sitcoms that the kid has a new crush or they like a girl, they like a boy and the parents sit them down. They have that awkward conversation around consent. And that's the conversation. Um, And I think that's maybe how a lot of us, you know, learned about some of these things. But it is important, like you said, to to come at this proactively and to have some of these conversations beforehand. And I think there's there's a lot of a lot of ways we can bring this about. I think first, even from a very early age, encouraging conversation about consent um, outside of just a sexual context so that we know that our teens feel empowered to say no when they want to say no. Um, We also hear this consistent message of, you know, we're telling our kids no means no. And you have to take that answer, but expanding that into conversations about what does informed consent look like? What can coercion look like? How can we not only set boundaries, but talking with teens about what does it feel like when you're on the receiving end of a boundary? It may not always feel good, um, but you, you know, that person's setting that boundary for a reason. Another thing that members of my team and I do with children or teens in our personal lives is we'll use their media to open up these conversations. So I know that's not Always how we want to spend our time is watching what our teens are watching, but engaging in what they're watching and listening to and showing an interest and then using that as a conversation opener. We don't have to be, um, you know, scared of it or uncomfortable of it. Maybe we see something that we normally would fast forward through on the TV or on a Netflix show and using that instead of fast forwarding through it, letting them know, you know, what are your thoughts on that? What would you do in that situation? I know recently the teens in the school brought up a popular movie that streamed on Netflix during 2020, and they had opened up conversations around what they thought of that relationship in the movie that was being kind of, you know, it was being glorified. It was 
being labeled as a cute, a healthy relationship. And teens use that to have conversations about their expectations in a relationship. So just every once in a while checking in on our teens, you know, what what are your boundaries? What are your expectations out of a relationship? What does consent look like? Instead of, again, like you said, waiting for this boyfriend or girlfriend to come along. And now we kind of have to rush and throw all of these tools in the bag so that our kids can stay safe. Yeah, I know that I used to talk with my daughter during Disney shows. So you can even do it yes. as early as as late elementary early middle because they are watching these shows. So I know that the teens that I work with, they know what's going on with each other way more than parents do. So what are some tips that you have maybe for friends of friends that have a concern about a relationship? Yeah, that's a great question. So we do find actually that um, only 33%, so one in three teens who experience dating violence ever disclose to anybody. And the majority of that time it's a peer over an adult or a parent. Um, and sometimes it's up to that peer to disclose to an adult or parent on their behalf. So we do find this a lot that when teens do disclose, it's typically to a friend. And so we do want to make sure that our, our teens are prepared for that disclosure, that they're taking care of themselves throughout that process. We use a great website. It is called loveisrespect.org. And this is a great resource for both teens and parents. But we recommend, again, even before anything occurs, just reviewing this website and having this information at the ready. It shows teens what healthy relationships can look like, what boundaries can look like. There's even tips for getting out of an unhealthy relationship or when you should start looking at, you know, is this time to open up a conversation with my partner or is it time to break up? Um, so we always recommend that teens go and take a look at that website no matter what, because even if they don't go through something like this themselves, then there's a large possibility that one of their friends will. And then they'll have those resources at the ready. They'll be able to open up those conversations with their friends. Yeah, that's great. I think empowering kids to look after their friends is so important. Um, and this is such an important topic, especially with COVID and people being stuck inside. And I really appreciate you coming today. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with the parents and teens who will be listening to us? Well, again, thank you so much for having us. I'm glad that we got to you know have this conversation and just hopefully spark some thoughts in parents about how can I come at this and, you know, open these conversations with my teens. Again, the best resource um, for Turning Point to get in touch with that hotline or to get in touch with any of our other programs is that 24-hour hotline. And the number for that, again, is 586-463-6990. Um, and I do recommend that any parents that are interested in having Turning Point in their children's schools, having these conversations about healthy relationships, um, do look into, you know, what units in their children's schools line up with these conversations. And we're always open to, you know, feedback or recommendations on any place that we're not in already. That's great. That's awesome. And we will put all of those uh, phone numbers and links to the websites in the show notes. Thank you so much, Danielle, for being here today. We really appreciate it. On behalf of the UCS Wellness Team, I am Kim Tversky with Danielle Watson. We thank you so much for joining us. The UCS Wellness Podcast is a resource created by Utica Community Schools, the second largest K-12 school district in Michigan, located in Macomb County. Thank you for listening. As always, you can head over to our UCS Wellness Podcast page at uticak12.org slash wellnesspodcast. From there, you can subscribe to the show and find all the links and resources discussed in this episode in the show notes. If you enjoyed this resource, 
please consider leaving a rating and review. And be sure to recommend the UCS Wellness Podcast to friends and family. For more about UCS Wellness, you can visit uticak12.org slash UCS underscore wellness. Thank you again for joining us. From all of us here at Utica Community Schools, be well.